And guys, think about the day Eli Wolf had. Somebody tweeted this, but I turned and looked at my dad and said this exact same thing. He not only did not lose to Vanderbilt probably for the first time in his career, <laughs> but the team he used to play for lost to Georgia State. By the way, this is going to be a recurring theme in my comments. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 188 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Week one is in the books, and the dogs behind a near-flawless first three drives jumped out to an impressive 21-0 lead on Vanderbilt, and then cruised to a nice 30-6 victory up in Nashville, or should we refer to it as Athens North, due to the amazing fan support filling about 80% of Vanderbilt Stadium red. Now, this is our post-game show, and it's done a little bit differently than our pre-game show. One, it's much shorter in length, and second, my two co-hosts, Tony Waller, and we'll each record this with me via Skype. So here's where I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. The recording quality mm, via Skype, it's not really as good as when we're in person together. So just heads up on some of the spotty audio, especially on my end for some reason, but I cut out some of the worst parts, and we'll work on getting that a little bit better as the year goes on. And special thanks to Five Points Bottle Shop, our post-game sponsor of this podcast, with the first home game of the year coming up this weekend. You can get all of the tailgating beer, wine, or liquor at Five Points Bottle Shop, and they have many rare finds and a few local favorites as well. And tell them hello from waiting since last Saturday when you stop by. So let's just jump on into it. This is the post-game show. The dogs are 1-0, and here's Will to tell you all about it. Hello. Welcome to the post-game show of Game 1 of the 2019 season of Waiting Since Last Saturday. Sponsored by Five Points Bottle Shop. I was in Nashville this weekend, so I was unable to purchase any alcohol from Five Points Bottle Shop, thus buying it from inferior establishments and organizations. It still worked, though, but I'm just saying that I knew deep down Five Points Bottle Shop was where I wanted to be. I'm Will Leach, selling out my journalistic credibility with advertisements. I'm here with Scott Duvall and Tony Waller. Many thoughts about this game, gentlemen. Uh, I was there. Uh, I think you saw a lot of the things I sent to you, Scott, from the uh, game. I realized the only way I like social media is if I just send stuff to Scott (laughs) and he posts it, So, uh, which is fine. But I will say that uh, clearly you saw how much Georgia 80-20 is – being optimistic for Vanderbilt. It, they completely took it over. And this was kind of in the pregame, the, the newspaper that morning, the Tennessee had a story about how the new AD, Vanderbilt has a new AD. And he was like, I know it's going to be all Georgia fans. The goal is by the time I leave here, it's not all Georgia fans, which I thought was kind of interesting. But uh, we'll get into all the atmosphere and so on. The game itself, it was really incredibly awesome. Wow, we're going to dominate everybody all year for a quarter. And then it was a Okay, there's some things that need to be fixed. There's two ways to look at it. One, there were a lot of penalties and a lot of mistakes and a, and a, a very early season Kirby rage stroke. Uh, on the other hand, they beat this team 36 pretty handily. Uh, which side do you fall on? Uh, Tony starting us off on uh, whether to be positive or negative to take away from the performance. I don't really want to do a production meeting while we're recording, but I propose we do this. I think we bring our very best game out early for the first, say, seven minutes. And for the next 28 minutes, we just basically keep everything hidden and run the same six plays or say the same six things for the rest of the podcast. Does that work? I don't know. We, we, have we already won? I think that's the question. Do we lose <laughs> if we lose everybody? Like, uh, if we have their downloads, I suppose. I mean... I see what you're saying. Look, it was very exciting for the first quarter and a half. And then 
it became clear. I, I went through. I went through several of the stages. Um, at first, I was like, "What's happening?" And then, by the time we got midway through the third quarter, it became very clear that Georgia was. We can do what we want to do when we want to do it. And frankly, it was kind of what we talked about may happen, which is we come out to a lead, we thoroughly dominate, we know we can do what we want to do. And for the most part, we look like we're running a scrimmage beyond that. And that's what we did. For the record, Will, you mentioned the whole social media thing. I thoroughly enjoyed my day yesterday with continuously getting these little text messages and these awesome photos and and videos from Will. And I also want to thank, before I forget, we even had some listeners. Uh, I want to thank Emily Wiley and Julie Moon, who were up at the game as well. They sent a couple photos, and uh, I think it was Emily sent a video of Light Up Vandy, uh, which we put on our Uh Instagram feed. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, we're pretty active on game days, and it's at WSLS Podcast. But having said all that, the way – I look at this game. It's I I thought about it. It kind of came to my mind this morning. It's like a highly anticipated movie that you're talking up and you're wanting to go see with an amazing first quarter of the movie that really gets your attention. And then maybe there's like a weird plot twist or a continuity error. And, (laughs) you know, you leave the movie. I know, Will, you'll appreciate this. You leave the movie saying like, well, it was good, you know, but then you're the person you went with was kind of questioning it and everything, but it was really enjoyable. That's kind of how I would put it with the whole, basically eight minutes into the second quarter after we'd scored our three touchdowns is kind of just like, even Deandre Swift was even quoted to Seth Emerson. I think he, he, he quoted him saying that it felt like the juice was kind of gone out of the sideline. And that's not a direct quote, but that's kind of what he meant. And that's, that's pretty much what, what you saw with the 30 to six victory. I, th- I think that's fine, and I get it. It was it was hard. To, uh, you wouldn't want them to keep up that intensity for a whole game against Vanderbilt. Uh, but there, it wasn't just that they weren't showing anything anymore. There were a lot of penalties and a lot of stupid penalties. Yeah. I mean, uh, for a while, you know, they lost the shutout. Uh, on a drive simply because Georgia had two personal fouls on that same drive. Uh, they, they gave them 30 yards for nothing. I, and listen, I think Keyshawn Vaughn had a couple of moments, but on the whole, Vanderbilt wasn't doing anything on offense. Uh, Neil, I think, uh, uh well, he didn't really show me too much. I didn't, wasn't really impressed. I found their defense actually a little bit more impressive than their offense, Vanderbilt wise. Uh, but there was no reason. Like there were a lot of mistakes. There were, there were a lot of mistakes. They were obviously not that big of a deal. Perhaps it will come up in this conversation uh, after the first week of action. Is it possible that the second best team in the SEC East is Vanderbilt? <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, but I would say that uh, it's nothing to worry about now. And looking at the SEC East, doesn't look like it's going to be anything to worry about for a while uh, if you get past Notre Dame. But there were a lot of mistakes. And there were a lot of – and there were times, honestly – I know this is also an Emerson's piece of the, the press conference afterwards when uh, they asked Kirby Smart, uh, were you worried about the times that you went, tried to get the, the two or three yards and you fell up short? And Smart's response which was, was both true and I think maybe a little elusively snarky, which was that like, hey, listen, did you see how many yards we rushed for? Am I going to worry about two or three yards? 
but yeah, I mean, isn't is it the reason Kirby Smart is Kirby Smart is the fact that he worries about two or three yards? Like, I felt like that was a kind of a dismissive answer for what is, I think, a legitimate question. If this is the best offensive line in football, or as 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 people are, are calling it, it feels like you should be able to get those two or three uh, yards, even if you're holding stuff back, and even if you're you're already up by a lot. I don't think they need to go off and score eighty points in this game, and I understand why they didn't floor it the way they did for the first quarter and a half. But there was a lot of sloppiness in this, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought the sloppiness because I definitely wanted to talk about that. You know, there, I'm certainly of two minds about this. I, I don't think there's, I think there's absolutely truth in saying that George took the, not the foot off the gas, but just went super vanilla at the last half. There's also truth that George lost some focus, uh, and that was never more evident than the two personal fouls. One of them was close. One of them was 100. percent um, But you know, that's. You know, I, I don't want to be dismissive and say, ah, first game, whatever, because everybody has to play a first game. But if you were to look back over the course of Kirby Smart's time here, uh, the past two seasons, I'm going to take the, the first season out just because it was a different team. This is the playbook, right? You do enough to win. You unfold the playbook as you need to. Um, you work on getting better. And the end result is you win your games. Um I, I do want to talk for a minute about our defense because a lot was made about uh, defense is young, defense is this. When you hold Lipscomb, Pinkney, and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn to about 100 yards total uh, between the three of them, I think what Lipscomb had like two catches for 14 yards. Key, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn rushed for, what, four and a half yards a carry. I think at the end of the season, that's going to look pretty impressive. And I was really impressed with our line play. I was super impressed with our linebacker play. And I thought we did a good job in getting in the backfield. I think Bandy was ready for some of the stuff we threw at them, but we never really, we were kind of an on defense until the second half. And we got a couple, we got some pressures on, on Bill and Bill, Neil, 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 Bradley, Neil. I see, I just made a, I just did one of those things, but it's hard for me Look, in the moment, I was like, oh, this is just, I can't believe this. Um, thank goodness I had Georgia State beating Tennessee to sustain me. Um, but, you know, the, oh, we're going to talk about that, right? I think we should have a whole different podcast if, oh, if you're yeah. asking me. But the reality is, is that the defensive play was not the big surprise. Just we look really good on defense. And if the defense and the offense click at the same time, there's no team in America that plays as good as Georgia does, period. Uh, the problem is, is sustaining that because we have seen over the course of the past two seasons, at the worst possible times, we've lost that focus. And the next step for Kirby Smart and this coaching staff is to not do that in games you can't afford to do that. And think about another if. Uh, the fifth offensive drive of the game resulted in a 50-yard Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. And one, I mean, Rodrigo was, was amazing yesterday. He drilled all three of his field goals. But I was sitting there thinking, if he doesn't make that, they have great field position. And if they score, this thing could get kind of uncomfortable really quick. Of course, that's what I was thinking. I'm not going to be one of those guys that jumps on, say, you know, bad taste in your mouth or anything like that. But it's just wanting so much more on a day of college football where so much craziness, actually a whole weekend, where so much craziness happened. Yeah, I don't, listen, I don't mind that they didn't score 80 points. Like, I want to be clear about this. Like, I do not think they played poorly. I did not think the game was ever in danger. I did not think that that they should have, that, that the, the strategy of pulling back when it was clear you could do whatever you wanted was a bad one. It totally makes sense. Smart play. It's the, it's the way that, that Kirby Smart has coached this team uh, pretty much since he got here. 
I do not think all those penalties were part of the plan. However, <laughs> like, like I don't, no, and, like the, and there's like a lot of them. And I and, and listen, it's probably nothing. But like, what do you do when you have a team like Georgia that is so talented across the board, that has an experienced quarterback, that has that that has this offensive line, that has uh, that has a defense that played as well? You're like, wow, this could be a national championship team. What are their flaws? What are things that you worry about? And maybe penalties are not a flaw. And maybe it's just a weird thing that happened because they lost focus, because they didn't need to, because it was clear. Listen, if I'm a player and I see the coaches be like, oh. Okay, we got this. I'm probably not given 110 percent the rest of the game. Like I'll be honest, I I I, I think there's no question. I think what's, that's what Swift was talking about. He's like, listen, we didn't go as crazy on the sidelines, but I find it difficult to blame them for. Uh, if I'm a player, I find it difficult to blame a player for not getting and being as intense when it's clear the coaching staff take a huge step back after they get up 21-0 and they're like, you know what, we've got this. Let's chill. When the coaches act that way. The player's going to act that way, and I think it's totally reasonable. I don't blame the coaches for doing it. I get it. But the penalties are the type of thing you keep an eye on. It doesn't mean does Georgia have a penalty problem? No, we don't. I don't think so. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the type of thing that they would have a big issue with. But they certainly had a lot of them, and they certainly they didn't give Vanderbilt a lot of hope in this game. But I would say Vanderbilt had two successful drives. Both of them were driven by Georgia or Georgia penalties. Maybe they don't make those penalties against Notre Dame, or they don't make those penalties against Auburn or Texas A and M, and then we will totally not remember the Vanderbilt game. But if penalties are like an issue throughout this year we will look back at this or at least we should look back at this and say wow okay maybe that penalty thing was not just a fluke because they took their foot off the gas i know i'm 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 reaching uh, and i understand that but certainly there were a lot of penalties oh i'm with you will i, I mean look they converted three third downs two of them were on penalties yeah. you give a team like notre dame or texas a&m or auburn or maybe even florida two first downs on uh, on penalties on third down, they'll make you pay. It won't be field goals, period. And on top of that, the part about it that really disappointed me is most of the penalties weren't really aggression penalties. They were not. Yeah. They were you know they were ticky tack holds. And we could have again, we got a whole other podcast on the pa- uh, the per- uh, the pass interference down inside the five. That was whatever. But you know you don't need to push somebody out. You don't need to push somebody out of bounds when they're out of bounds three yards. It's just it's. That's not aggression. That's not that's not field awareness, and that's something that is absolutely coachable. And I, I have a feeling that those players will hear about it or may have heard about it on the flight home. I'm I'm with you. You when you know it's one thing to give Vanderbilt what seventy something yards and penalties. It's a whole different thing to give a team that that we know is going to be able to move the ball regardless of how good our defense is uh, that many yards, especially that many third down conversions. You know, another thing that I'd like to focus on are kind of the unsung guys. And I know we were wondering about the wide receivers. I think they did fine. I was impressed with uh, Robertson and uh, his long strike and then his touchdown grab. But um, another kind of position group that had a lot of questions was tight end. We knew about Charlie Warner. But if you go back and look at the touchdown runs, the first one by Cook and the second one by Harrion, look for number 17. That's uh, Wolf. Yeah, the transfer. Wolf. Yeah. The transfer from Tennessee, because the blocking on Cook's run by Wolf and Werner uh, was exceptional. And then on Harrion's touchdown run, you watch Eli Wolf. He takes on two Vanderbilt guys, turns them, 
to the outside and then Harry and squeaks in, you know, it was almost where his knee was down a little bit too soon. But if you go and watch that, you'll see Wolf. I mean, he doesn't look extremely huge, but I remember we had one question on our um, Georgia preview from a guy saying he must, and I, and I'm assuming the guy had kind of watched Eli Wolf in the past, but saying you need to bring him in as a fullback. And it's exactly what they did on that third touchdown. So, you know, Hey, I, I feel good. Even if they're not catching passes, uh, I think our downfield blocking with our receivers, the big guys, yeah, I saw Cager throw a good block to spring somebody, Tyler Simmons. And then with Wolf and uh, Warner out there, I think uh, they're leading the charge uh, very admirably. Lots of tight ends. Well, I felt like, yeah, there were really lots of I, – I, that was noticeable even from up in the stands. Yeah. Lots and, of tight ends. Fitzpatrick stuff. started. Well, it, and guys, think about the day Eli Wolf had. Somebody tweeted this, but I turned and looked at my dad and said this exact same thing. He not only did not lose to Vanderbilt probably for the first time in his career, <laughs> but the team he used to play for lost to Georgia State. By the way, this is going to be a recurring theme in my comments. Uh, I mean, you just need to know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I, you, it was funny. You got we texted a little bit during the game, uh, but you did mention I didn't. I've not watched the game. I've not rewatched the game on television. Obviously, I was in the stands. Uh, great seats, but uh, everywhere you sat, you were just surrounded by Georgia fans. So it was obviously great seats, no matter where you were. Uh, but I'm curious when you you texted me about Kirby's rage stroke. I assume that was after a penalty, right? Like it's, or was it after the pat? It wasn't in relation to a referee's call. It was refer. It was in. It was in in relation to something that Georgia had done wrong. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but he um, actually, the uh, Jordan Rogers uh, was going on about the poor visor because Kirby was <laughs> just wearing his visor out. I mean, he actually, I think he, and I don't remember who was doing the play by play, but Rogers and the play by play guy were going on about um, who, who's harder on visors, Kirby smart or Steve Spurrier, which in the pantheon of visor uh, visor terror is uh, it's pretty high price. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Kirby wants to have to have the brand as associated with the visor as Spurrier did. I don't I don't get the visor. You, you, if you, if you, unless you're like hosting like a secret card game somewhere, I'm just generally against visors. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I know. I'm, I am team bald. I can't wear a visor. Will. <laughs> we'll get so what, what was the scene like? I mean, you know, obviously it was 80 20 and ESPN actually made a big deal about that. But I mean, it was like a, a, a small home game. Yeah, I, I went with my family, with my wife and uh, my two sons. My wife and younger son win uh, left at halftime. I think uh, they well, Alexa would have loved to have stayed, but when is you know when's five and he's you know he he, uh, he had a good time, but he needed to go halftime. William and I stayed till the end, and William was remarking throughout the game. He's like, well, Daddy, it's really strange. Like, it feels like we're at Sanford Stadium, and and Will, you know, William is seven and not like an experienced sports. <laughs> like, he loves sports, but he's he, he's not. It's not like he saw a talking point on television and he's heard that before. Like, it really did felt that way. It was very red uh, to me. The obviously the big moment of as when they lit up the place at the at the start of the fourth quarter. That was to me at that point absolutely undeniable. Uh, it is also worth noting that uh, because Vanderbilt actually has a smaller band. George's band consistently not only were the fans out cheering them, George's band was I think traveled with more people than Vanderbilt had in their band, which is funny. Vanderbilt, I would have thought they'd have a bigger band. Uh Georgia kind of outshone them pretty much across the board. Uh, a few more takeaways. One, uh if you, I'm sorry, but if you waited in line for a beer for this game, you're an idiot. <laughs> there was no reason for it to do that. The uh, the beer was around. I checked and it seemed to take about 20 or 25 minutes to get like a natural light or Michelob Ultra. 
Now, uh, I like, oh, yeah, now I'm a Midwestern guy, so I have no problem with these Anheuser-Busch products, but I do have a problem with missing 20 minutes of a game for them, uh, particularly when it's a seven, it was a 6.30 start, and you had all day the tailgate. <laughs> so, and there was, security was not tight getting into Vanderbilt Stadium, so if you needed to bring anything in, that wasn't going to be a problem either. So, I'm sure that the, uh, the beer line will not be as clogged the rest of Vanderbilt's home games this year. That may have been a Georgia problem. I don't mean to say that you're an idiot. I also understand there was a certain novelty to buying a beer there. I get that. I, I, I totally understand that uh, at a college football game, but uh, that line struck me as particularly, and there was only, I only saw one, maybe there was another Bud Light stand, but it seemed like there was only one. It was right by the gate we went in, so... I don't know. I can't imagine that was worth it. I actually found Vanderbilt kind of a lovely stadium. I, f- I thought it was actually kind of nice. Uh, it seems to be maybe my SEC equivalent of Georgia Tech, which is to say a wonderful place to, uh, to go watch your team, <laughs> to watch your team win in a more cheaper way than you usually do when you watch them at home. So I think there's something to that. Uh, I also heard, I don't know if you guys heard about this. I heard of several instances of people getting counterfeit tickets. Uh, at this Ooh. game, it happened several no, times. I, didn't hear that. I heard from a couple of people, <laughs> and uh, I have to give a shout I'm out. Sorry, if you, if, yeah, sorry. Hang on, hang on. We'll get there. We'll get there. But uh, I have to give a shout out uh, to uh, bless her heart. I read my on the way back uh, from the game because William and I walked. It was about two mile walk, but we were very excited. We got to walk. So I had never. I've not spent any time in Nashville. I had not realized that Nashville had turned into New Orleans. Had you realized this? There's like like party carts everywhere and yeah it was like it was it was it was nashville's it's very the bachelorette capital of the world yeah it was a little um grosser than i was really expecting it to be i'd always heard uh, i will say that like it was just a little bit too uh, uh drunk white girl for me uh, to be entirely honest on uh, but it was very fun and we walked back and william had a great time he's like i'm so glad we walked i saw so many things i was like yes you did yes you did you saw many many things on this walk uh but we ran into on the way back we ran into anna jolin and her i don't know if it was her boyfriend or her, her husband they're from kansas city they came down for the for the game they were very excited and they watched the game in the hotel because they got counterfeit tickets. So public service oh announcement. Oh. Seat Geek, StubHub, stick with them. They will not go wrong, do you wrong. They will t- take care of you if something happens. They usually, I've never had an issue with Seat Geek or StubHub. I think usually the issue comes from Craigslist or some sort of like special message board buyer. Uh, but they were wonderful. I'm literally walking the street with my son at like a 1045 at night, and all of a sudden I hear, there's Will! <laughs> I was like, oh my god, <laughs> they found me. <laughs> they, my years as a fugitive uh, <laughs> finally caught up with me. But they were very wonderful. They had a wonderful time, and they're going to be at Notre Dame. I'm going to make sure we, we know meet up with them there. Well, Tick IQ mentioned, uh, uh, sent out a tweet that said that this was the most expensive aftermarket ticket uh, of the weekend. And that, if that's whenever, this is something the Vanderbilt's not used to. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. um, and they were I talking mean, about it on the like, broadcast a lot, too. Yeah, and the great part about it, like, this is great for the brand of George football, and I mean, we try to actively eschew the, the concept of brand, but, but these are the sorts of things that get you invited if you're not playing in the college football playoff this sort of traveling gets you invited to the New Year's Six Bowl as opposed to playing the Citrus Bowl, or frankly, it allows, um, it allows you to go out as an AD or whoever schedules the ball games and go to these marquee uh, out-of-conference teams and say, hey, we want to come to your place, come to our place. Because when you're able to bring 35,000 of, of a 40,000-seat stadium to Nashville, um on a random Saturday or Labor Day Saturday, it, it means something. I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that gets you. They talk about it in Bristol, Connecticut. They talk about it at CBS Sports. 
I mean, it's, it's just great for Georgia football to be in this position. And I wish I could have been there. It would have been awesome. Yeah, it, it was fun all around. And as I said, it was nice. I, the shout out to Robert Wolf, by the way. We kept trying to get together, but I was with my family, and he was not with the extended family. So he ended up staying out later and having more fun than me. I would have loved to see Robert. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a very good time. I, you know, it's funny when we went to Notre Dame. We spent a lot of time talking about how friendly the Notre Dame fans were. But like, you know, that felt like they were being friendly as a choice because there were still a lot of them. Like you were in South Bend. Here, I felt like Vanderbilt fans may have been friendly as a, simply a way to protect themselves. It's <laughs> all it's a matter of preservation. Are. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one. I'm gonna say it wouldn't have been a smart play for a Vanderbilt fan to start starting stuff <laughs> with Georgia fans because they would have been very outnumbered very quickly. Scott, you have a little thing for us. You have a little game you want us yeah. to play this show. Yeah, I think on every uh, post-game show, I'm, I'm still wordsmithing it. But so far, I've come. this is the best I've come up with. And what I want is for the three of us to provide our best, worst, and something else of the weekend. Non-Georgia related. Just something you noticed or saw in relation to college football. So, yeah. That's the title? Best, worst, and best, something else? Best, worst, and something else. I'm Like I said, maybe a listener can come up with something better. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, so are we all doing best, and then are we each doing yes. our best? Okay, so, okay. I'll well, start, so you can kind of gotcha. get the Go feel ahead. of it. Give me the best. All right, so the best thing uh, I saw this weekend was uh, two former Georgia quarterbacks and what they did, their stat lines. Uh, Jacob Eason was 27 of 36, 349 yards and four touchdowns as they beat Eastern Washington. I saw an interview with him on the Pac-12 network. Looks like he's been in the weight room in a good way. That guy is <laughs> jacked. Um, I mean, I know his uh, Twitter handle is skinny QB. He doesn't look skinny anymore. It looks more like Jake Locker than uh, the Jacob Eason that was here in 2016. Also, kudos to Justin Fields, 18 to 25, 234 yards, accounted for five touchdowns and 61 rushing yards. I think it was like the second play of the game where – he took it 51 yards. Um, I'm going to be rooting for these guys because, I, again, I think it continues to uh, help the Georgia brand, or, you know, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, because Jake Fromm, in fact, uh, not to cut myself off, but I just did. But um, before the broadcast, they did a little map, like a heat map of all of the impact of uh, that Fromm has had on quarterbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. That was pretty interesting how it goes from Washington to Florida. Uh, so, yeah, so that was the best. The worst thing I saw was Purdue on Friday night going to Reno, Nevada and losing 34-31 on an exciting last-second kick. And then also Missouri traveling to Wyoming. Uh, they lost 37-31. to And really the reason why this is the worst, it's not conference-affiliated or anything. It's why do you schedule these games, athletic directors, when you don't have to probably traveling to a group of five home school does you no good. So that's the worst thing I saw. And then something else I saw that a boat in the Vol Navy, it burned at 6:30 AM Saturday morning. Maybe that was kind of the feeling of the day for uh, Tennessee, How is but that not uh, the best thing. I know. I know it, it's, it's just the something else, but the good news is the couple and their dog did escape unharmed, but the, the 61 foot cab or the yeah 61 foot cabin cruiser did sink right there and they had to limit the vol- the other boats the vol navy coming in because there was a boat submerged in the water for for what it's worth are we sure it's good news that they survived considering <laughs> what they were going to see the rest well, of I don't want to I don't want to spread bad news or, or karma <laughs> on this podcast but yeah I, I don't I'm, I listen, I think it's I'm glad they survived I'm worried about yeah. them <laughs> if they if they're like you know what we should have died this morning we wouldn't have to watch watch us happen. Uh, Tony, that seems like a good segue to what you might want to talk about. 
I think the best thing I saw was uh, Sean Elliott, who's the coach of Georgia State, saying that was the second best win in, in program history. I mean, that's just spectacular trolling in a way that's just hard for me to put my head around. The worst thing I saw was um, probably JT Daniels, uh, Southern Cal's quarterback. He's out for the season. He got injured with an ACL, which almost surely spells the end of the Clay Helton regime at uh, Southern California and probably Lynn Swan's uh, AD tenure. And um, the, the something else I saw was uh, in that same Purdue game, uh, apparently Arizona State's uh, punter, I think if I have this right, uh, averaged 65 yards a punt. Uh, that is something else. You mean Nevada? Oh, yes, Nevada's punter. That's right. I knew it was one of those games out <laughs> west, and um, but yeah, right, whatever. 60 what? 60, like four and a half yards a punt. And these aren't, these aren't, this was on the fly. These were fair caught. These were not like lucky roll. One was lucky roll punt, but all of them were just massive leg boom punts. Um, little tip of trivia about Georgia State's coach that I think a lot of people forget. Sean Elliott was the guy that took over for Spurrier when he quit in the middle of the year. He was the interim coach for South Carolina that year. He was a running game coordinator. (laughs) Let's know how much he was not considered next in line (laughs) in South Carolina. He was the running game coordinator, but he took over. And again, we've talked about this before, by the way, about how much – uh, about how much you can get away with if you're from the media, if you're a coach everybody likes. Like, Steve Spurrier quit on his team in the middle of the year, and we're like, hey, good for you. Go play golf, Steve. Good for you. And it's like, eh. But anyway, uh, Sean Elliott, yeah. good for Georgia State. Love me some Georgia State. Get out to the former Turner Field slash Georgia State Sam at some point this year. The schedule is hard this year. They usually started the season on Thursday, so you can see them before the opening week. But they had they were busy this year. They were busy beating Tennessee at Tennessee on opening weekend. And I will say one of the many things I remember uh, from the tailgate is before the game, Georgia fans and Vanderbilt fans coming together and enjoying watching (laughs) Georgia State beat Tennessee. Uh, My best thing of the week is obviously I-L-L-I-N-I, drive 4-6. Illinois wipes out Akron, 43-3. Akron is not a good team. They also have a new coach, the new offensive coordinator. Obviously, we get all of that. Nevertheless, 42-3 will work. That will work. Last year, uh, Illinois played a similar team in Kent State and beat them by three. Akron beat Northwestern Cats last year. So I will take it, particularly because they play at Connecticut in week two, and they just barely beat Wagner. So uh, I'm feeling mm-hmm. good about the Illini uh, right now. Uh, worst thing of the week uh, for me uh, would have to be uh, kind of uh, – I'll put it this way. I know this sounds like the wacky man bites dog story. Um, is there a more, I found it worse because I find, frankly, this school and its leader, uh, <laughs> bad. Uh, but, uh, Hugh Freeze, uh, coaching from his hospital bed and then doing his post game interview on a TV setup in this hospital bed. Um, it feels it's very. Uh, I'll put it this way: for a university and a coach who uh, very much enjoys uh, uh, branding and the spotlight and emotional moments, specifically involving themselves, uh, it definitely felt like Hugh Freeze has found the right university and the right job. <laughs> it's possible if you want, 
you can just have someone else coach the game. You had a serious surgery, but no, Hugh Freeze has got a. I did the highlight. Definitely best part of that was Dino Babers giving them the thumbs up from the ground because <laughs> yeah. Dino Babers is awesome. Uh, and then something else uh, would be cutting to that USC game when the which I just refer, while watching the Vanderbilt watching the Vanderbilt game they they were spelling out go vol, go doors or something in the stands. I mentioned to my wife, you know, they, uh, do they have to stand in that order all game? Like that seems very unpleasant to have to like I don't even like Bob and he's oh. Oh, and I'm G, and I have to sit next to him all day. I enjoyed in the USC game when the uh, the students got out of order and could not could not spell uh, uh, promote USC appropriately. It felt very fitting for what was going on that day. Hey, well, did you notice the Illini students had actually spelled out three Luke Ford? Uh, did you see that picture? <laughs> I did not. I did not. They oh, did. Bless for, bless for him. Yeah, I love it. Bless for him. And also, another one last thing on Illinois. I don't know if everyone knows this, but like Illinois' best player before the season, Bobby Roundtree, probably their only or at least one of their top one or two NFL prospects. He was considered a potential uh, second, second or third round pick uh, right before the season started. He had a swimming accident, a severe su- spinal uh, accident. So oh. they've been wearing 97 all year on their jerseys. And they were, during their, they had their big hype video and they, and, and uh, you know, it says like, for the Illini Nation, for, for those who have come before us. And then uh, uh, Reggie Corbin, their best running back, looks at the camera and says, for 9-7, and pounds his chest, and the crowd just went nuts. Like, it was a very, very cool thing for a team that uh, doesn't often do very cool things. All right. Hey, so, I don't know if you heard, but we won. We won Friday, uh, Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, so. no, yeah. That's a, I, 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 this is a good question. Uh, there are two things I'll make a note, Scott, that I want to talk about on the next show. One is the SEC East, and is Vanderbilt the second best team in the SEC East? And two, I w- make a note. I want to talk about Justin Fields and some of the reactions I saw to Justin Fields' success from Georgia fans that I found baffling. So that's something we can discuss on the next show. But other than that, did they did we like Best Worst or something else? Let us know if you like Best Worst or something else. All right. So by the way, this is our first post game show of the year. But our next post game of the post game show of the year, it's at El Barrio, right? It's a live show. It is a live show. Even though I haven't confirmed with them, I'm pretty sure they'll be open to it. I'll just show up. <laughs> just show up. I'm often there at five fifteen on Sundays anyway. So <laughs> if, yeah, if why not? Why not? Let's go. Let's do it. If, if they're listening to this podcast. Go ahead and make room for us. Yes. And listen, if you and I, if the three of us were sitting around without a recorder anyway, we would basically be having a conversation somewhat similar to what we'd be having on the podcast. So let's just go ahead and meet there for dinner. And if you get a chance, bring your recording stuff. Yeah, I'll do that. And we'll finalize it before we do our uh, pregame show for Murray State. Murray. Such a disappointment. Murray. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, Lamar, it's Lamar's younger brother. So yeah, he's the man on the mic that they call Lamar. Um, okay, everyone. Uh, good show. That's good. Well, I'm very excited. One and oh, football is here. Football is happening, humans. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. And thanks so much for listening. And thanks to all the listeners who sent us photos and videos on Instagram and Twitter throughout the game. And as the season goes on, we're going to try to continue to retweet. And share your perspectives via Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to go follow us on both of them. And it's easy because it's the same handle at WSLS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, all the links to our social media, Fun Office Pools Pick'em Contest. Yes, that's the thing. And we'll announce who's leading on our next podcast. And our advertising partners, they're all linked in the show notes of this episode. Great road win for the dogs. Now it's time for some fun as we get a home game at the most perfect time for a day full of tailgating right here in Athens, Georgia this weekend. Stay tuned for JT and W, and we'll see you on campus in a few days. And as always, go dogs. Okay, so welcome back to another JT and W 
post-game interview with Jack and I. Say, Jack, hello. Yep. Hey, what's up? How this are you? This is Jack, and I'm Walker, and we are just going to give our thoughts on how Georgia did versus Vanderbilt and maybe some things that we just really liked about the new players that we haven't seen yet. Let me start it off with the guy who really stood out for me. Of course, it was DeAndre Swift. He was getting a ton of yards per carry, and that was just something that I really liked to see. Not getting one or two yards of play like most running backs, but getting big burst plays. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve yards of play. And I really want to say that Brian Harrion, I really like seeing him run. He runs hard and angry, and I think that's great about Mm -hmm. him. He really put some oomph into the running backs. And I think that James Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, he was here last year, but he didn't do much. But he's going to step up, and he's going to be that backup running back that's going to be just really, really good. Uh, He scored a touchdown, which was really key to the game. He did. He did. I also want to say that Jake Fromm showed some really good and positive throws. He made some great plays. He even ran a little bit, I believe. The first touchdown that we scored, I just want to say that was a beautiful pass. And the receiver, his he's a freshman, and I'm, his name is slipping my Demetrius mind. Robinson. Demetrius Robinson right now. And he's a senior. Yeah. Dang. Can you cut that? Um, well, he is a senior. He, he really made a big play. He only scored one touchdown uh, last year, and it was against Austin P, which was the first game of the season. And he didn't score any other that season. So I think he's going to step up and make some big plays this year. One thing I think we need to work on is we went off to a really hot start, 21 points in the first and second quarter. And then we kind of slowed down a little bit. Which I didn't really think showed who Georgia is. Because even though they were playing Vandy, we got Notre Dame this year. That's not going to be the mentality that we want to go in that game with. No. And I'm sorry to say this, but we did play a little bit sloppier than usual. I think we need to fix that. I think Kirby is going to fix that. He's going to really shake it into him. And I think we'll be ready for Notre Dame when the time comes. Well, overall, I have to say, I think we did really good. We won, which was the best thing that we had. We have 13 straight wins in the SEC East, which is really good because we saw Tennessee lose. We saw a lot of other SEC East teams lose, like Missouri and everybody, which gives Georgia the big advantage to make a pretty easy SEC championship run, maybe even a national championship run again. I agree. I agree. I fully agree that we can be a great national championship contender. Yep. Or playoff contender. Yep. And I saw on SportsCenter this morning the four top national championship contenders are Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yes, Justin Fields. He was amazing. He threw for what? Four, four touchdowns? touchdowns? Five, I think. No, four, four or five. Okay. Four. So that was really good to see a Georgia person really show off. And Jacob Eason. Four yes. touchdowns also. At Washington. I think it was five, almost. He had a career high in a game for any Washington player, which was really nice to see. Mm-hmm. I wish he would have done that here at Georgia. But, yep. I mean, that, that's, that's how it is. Well, this has been JTNW and signing off with a go dogs. Sick, Sick em. Em. Oof, 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 oof.